What is up, guys? We are back to break down more of the NBA. What else would we be doing? <laughs> um, <Work. laughs> so, yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> so we are here to talk about some of the surprises, both pleasant and unpleasant, yes. uh, of the NBA season so far, since apparently we're a quarter of the way done with the regular season. Time flies, dude. <laughs> Time flies. Uh, the NBA just released NBA All-Star Ballots on NBA.com. So, cast your ballots. Uh, so, we make our early season predictions for who will make the All-Star team. Uh, spoiler alert for a future episode, we will be doing this again, and then we will be doing an All-Star draft. Hint, hint. Ooh, All-Star draft, yeah. yeah. I like that. So that, that's stuff to do in the future, closer to the All-Star game, if we have one. Um, and as usual, we have a new GG of the week week, breaking down the January 27 matchup between the Philadelphia 76ers and the LA Lakers. Potential finals matchup? Maybe, maybe. Maybe. Maybe a finals matchup. So, all right. My name is Rafa. Joined by the Ben Simmons to my Joel Embiid. I'm an all-around player. <laughs> I'm, just I'm just kidding. I don't play as good defense as Ben Simmons. Joined by my trusty co-host, Carla Sikia. What's up? <laughs> and this is the Got Next podcast. All right. Uh, so for the first segment of this week, um, we're going to go through quickly, relatively, our relatively quickly, yeah. relatively quickly, our surprises for the season so far. It's we're about a quarter way into the season, so we're gonna go through three pleasant and three not so pleasant surprises. Well, it'll be more than three. Not it'll be so more pleasant. than three not pleasant, <laughs> but just because of circumstances. But um, yes. this is Rafa's idea, so. Rafa, why don't you uh, start us off sure. with some pleasant surprises? Sure. So the the first pleasant surprise, um, I was trying to whittle this down to three, and I couldn't decide, so I just lumped them all together. It's NBA big men. Uh, I consider the golden age for bigs, like the 90s and maybe early 2000s when like the 90s centers and then early 2000s centers. With, the, or all the Georgetown centers. Teams. The Georgetown Center is, and then, but we're we're getting to a point now where even big men are getting more skilled. Their skill sets are more versatile. Yeah, to the point where our two, I feel like the top two MVP candidates are centers, Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. Like the the like Embiid is a little more of a traditional center, but he still got significantly more ver- versatility to his game. And Nikola Jokic is like, at worst, the second best passer in the game today. At, at center, worst, at worst, it's tough. probably be the best, pl- at best passer. Worst, he's probably the best. Period of all yeah. players. <laughs> and I mean, he's the best passing big man of all time. There's no question about it anymore. Hmm. And even if you go down a tier, I mean, that's where Demonis Sabonis is. Who's having career year. He's initiating a lot of the offense for Indiana. Same thing with Bam Adebayo. Same thing with Julius Randle. Julius Randle. Julius Randle just that's a pleasant surprise. He's 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 playing 
he's part-time point guard. Like the Knicks have a history of getting point guards that they don't like. And at this point, I'm just guessing they went, ah, oh, fuck it. Julius here. Well, you do it. He did have that in this game, like with the Lakers, even even back then, but he still was Yeah. He was very uh what's it called? He had his head down trying to get to the basket all the time, not necessarily looking the pass. Yeah. Uh to be honest, yes. I haven't watched too much Knicks. So I don't know if that's improved, but the Knicks the Knicks themselves are a pleasant surprise. Yes, for sure. I've tried to watch the Knicks. I feel like just trying to compare him between last year and this year. I don't think that it he's necessarily improved this. He's just given the keys more and is able to do it. Like he's like you said, he's always been somewhat good of a passer. Like he has always had that dump down mm-hmm. pass. And I thought that if he could ever have a high low game, then he could get more assist numbers. I didn't think it'd be this, but at the same time, he's doing dribble handoffs a lot more. Um so I, I don't know. I don't think that the skill necessarily has improved. He's just doing mm-hmm. it more. But still, I mean, the fact that he's able to do it at this volume compared to previously, it's one thing doing it a couple times a game. He's doing it several times a game now. Yeah, I'm sure like Coach Tibbs has definitely like improved like the system <laughs> that the Knicks are, are playing with. Yes. I think everyone there has a purpose now. They're yeah. playing hard defense. They're actually yep. they're actually they're actually decent this year. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, the next surprise we want to talk about is Jalen Brown. Yes. Because, wow, Jalen Brown. My favorite player continues to get better. <laughs> he is my favorite player, too. Really? My, my current, yeah, no, he's starting last year. He was like, oh, shit, I really like Jalen Brown. I love Jalen Brown. He keeps getting better. And then as soon as he starts putting up this, I'm like, I love Jalen Brown. He's my favorite player. Um, I mean, I'm just so impressed with how every year he adds something to his game and he's just gotten to the point now where he's a legitimate all-star. Yeah. Spoiler. <laughs> um, for reference, this is his stat line. 29.8 points per 75, 61.8% true shooting, 7.8 true assists per 75, 1.6 offensive rebounds per 100, only 2.8 turnovers per 75. And his offensive load, 42.4. Yeah, that's with uh, Tatum missing a bunch of games because of COVID. So he's had to be... And yeah. before Kemba came, right? So he, had, he was basically like the main offensive guy for like a bunch yep. of games there. Oh, sorry. The offensive load's incorrect. It's 46.1. It's even higher. <laughs> you, said, you said 42. It's even higher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, it's 46.1. But yeah, I mean... One one thing about Jalen that I always noted um, prior to this year is like he is one of he's probably the perfect off-ball player to play alongside a guy like Jason Tatum, and it's not just the ability to shoot and shoot off the ball and shoot off of screens, but it's his ability to use his athleticism and slash to the basket. Like he'll attack off the catch, he'll cut, he and this I love he ducks in in transition. For an easy like, for an easy bucket under the rim, like I love that. There are guys much bigger than Brown that don't do that, Joel Embiid, <laughs> but Jalen Brown does it. Yeah. Like when he sees someone small matched up with him in transition, he'll just put his ass into him and get an easy bucket or get to the free throw line. Yeah, I, I, we'll talk about Embiid later. <laughs> 
during the yes. during the All-Star and maybe the and the Sixers game but yeah yes. like that's very like more people should do that especially the, the bigger more athletic people it's easy but it's easy points exactly it's easy bucket um and Jalen Brown of course that's all the off ball stuff we didn't even t- mention that his passing's improved passing his, his scoring have improved the pick and roll yeah. the pick and roll was the big one he's been a lead ball hander for like majority of the season right yeah and so it's to the point now Kemba Walker's come back and he was like no you guys do you I'll figure it out yeah first of all I love that from Kemba Walker but Jalen Brown, man, I'm so impressed with him. As I said before, I hope that him and Tatum stay with the Celtics forever. Yes, please. <laughs> It'll be so painful if Jalen Brown ever leaves. Uh, and he's, he's, he's always the one thrown into uh, to trades for like superstars. I know. Like, screw it. Just keep them together, man. I, I, yeah. Let them grow. Well, I think at this point, they're, they've mentioned that Brown's untouchable. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Danny Ainge. Thank you, Danny Ainge. For once. <laughs> if Danny Ainge trades Jalen Brown, I will like, I will hate Danny Ainge so much. I already don't like Danny Ainge. I don't like <laughs> Yeah, him. we've talked about like, this. <laughs> I'm not going to go on a rant, but let's talk about the last surprise here. We got to mention, we got to mention this. The, the team that's on an 11 game winning streak. Yeah, man. Damn. The Utah Jazz. Man, I mean, their current record is fourteen and four. They're the best. They have the best record in the league. Yep. And uh, all right, so let's let's do some trivia here, because the like eleven game win streak is like they could be playing shitty teams. Who? There is uh, one team in the top five in offensive and defensive rating. Who is it? I guess it's the Jazz. It's the Utah Jazz. Wow. Who are the only three teams in the top ten in offensive and defensive rating? Clearly, it's the Jazz. I'm gonna put the gonna put the Lakers in there. Either the Sixers or the Clippers. Wrong. It's the Bucks. Ah, the Bucks. But they're yes. Ah, okay. Inter- interesting. Neither neither the Clippers or the Sixers are there are in the top ten. Yeah, I've got thoughts on those. Um. <laughs> yes, but so it's the. Once again, we see repeat guys, the Bucks and the Lakers, but now it's the Jazz. And, you know, I think part of it is, and I'm trying to look for what it is really, what led to their offensive and defensive improvement. Because last year they were like pretty average offensively and defensively they were like 11th. Mm-hmm. I was just looking for Yeah, like, surprisingly oh, 11th. Yeah, well, what caused it? It's it it's sneakily Utah's depth because Donovan Mitchell hasn't improved that much from last year. His three point shooting is the only thing that's gone up by like three percent. Nothing else. He's a good player. He's a legit All Star player, but he hasn't improved that much. Yeah, Shaq. He's a legit player. Yes, Shaq. And um, Rudy Gobert is still an elite defensive player. Of course. But it's really the depth. Because the reason Utah was 11th in defensive rating last year is because when Gobert came off the floor, it plummeted. They went from a top 10 defense to like the 27th best defense when Gobert went off the floor. 
Yeah, who was backing him up last year? I mean, they replaced whoever that was with Derek Favors, right? Derek Favors. Yeah, I don't even remember who it was. I think it was Tony Bradley, <laughs> to be honest with you. I don't remember either. Yeah, yeah. Here, I, I wrote it down here. They went. They would go from the sixth best defense to the 28th best defense when Gobert, Gobert on and off. So having Favors is a big deal. And the offensive improvement is largely due to Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson. And Mike Conley, I think, He's finally figuring out how to play with the system with, with with the Jazz. I remember last year there was like a point, yeah, probably around February, right before the yep. right before the close that lockdown, where everyone was like, "What's wrong with the Jazz?" Mike Collins and playing up to his standards, and I guess he was yeah. trying to. Then they never got to figure it out because of the lockdown. Yeah. I mean, the lockdown yeah. and the bubble. But it's glad glad that now it, it's finally clicking for them. You know. Yes. Yes. For sure. Um, which I'm super happy about. I think Jordan Clarkson is an under underrated one too because he could. I don't know if he was that comfortable in his bench role, but now he's like very clear. This is what this is where I'm gonna get my shots. You know what I mean? Like NBA players need to know where they're gonna get their shots, when they're gonna get to do what they need to do. So being in a system for an extra year really helps, and it helps that the backup center has been there before yeah. with the same coach. He just has to like basically reintegrate there. Yeah. So, I mean, if you think about their bench, it's now Joe Ingles, Jordan Clarkson, and Derek Favors. That's a pretty good, like, top eight. That's a that's pretty that's good top elite. eight. <laughs> that's a really good top eight. And then Donovan Mitchell is probably going to keep – it's been a trend for him. He gets better in the playoffs because he's a three-level scorer. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't t- – you're not going to take away his mid-range pull-up, his three-point pull-up. He can catch and shoot. He can finish at the rim. He's going to draw fouls. That stuff, you can't take away all of that stuff for Mitchell. So he's going to perform. And so Utah is a dangerous team. Now, I don't know if they're... I don't know if they're a contending team yet. Yeah, would you pick them over the Clippers to reach the Western Conference Finals, for example? There's a chance. The way the Clippers have played, their offense is absolutely elite. Their defense is not. (laughs) Yeah. But I like the way Paul George and Kawhi are playing. But they're playing awesome. Yeah, it's everyone else. <laughs> also, their defense still sucks. Um, truthfully, I, I mean, their defense is at best average right now. All right, um, now let's get into the unpleasant surprises. Um, Karis Levert. Well, this turned into a pleasant surprise. You have That's to say. true. <laughs> That's true. Now, here's the thing. Like, um, if you, I don't exactly know what it is. This is like way beyond my medical understanding, but he had cancer. Basically, he had kidney cancer. He had kidney cancer. Blessing in disguise, um, he got traded, to be honest. It's, yeah, no, this may have actually saved his life. Yeah. So, I'm very, he, for those of you who don't know, he had surgery to get the tumor removed and he is expected to make a full recovery. So, this trade may have actually saved his life. And I love that. I'm so happy that, you know. It's great. They caught it early enough that he doesn't need further treatment after this. Yeah. Once he recovers from this. That's the thing. He didn't have any symptoms. He had no idea. So that means you caught it early, which is great. And so, so glad about that. One that I'm not so glad about is Seku Smith. So unfortunately, we lost Seku on Kobe's death anniversary, which is a like way to kick us and everyone down. But yeah, you know. Uh, rest in peace, Seku Smith, who was 54 
I think he was 54 years old and he died of COVID related illness. Yeah. Oh, we saw him on NBA.com. So, yeah. I mean, great interviewer. I mean, on Twitter, on podcasts, everyone is saying how much they loved Seku. Of course, neither of us know him very well, but yep. everyone always, always went off about what a genuinely nice person Seku Smith was. Yep. So rest in peace, Seku. Rest Prayers in, out to your family. Rest in peace. And PSA to those who are still slacking off from COVID. It, it's a real thing. And people are still losing their lives from COVID-related illness. So whether you're vaccinated or not, take your shit seriously. Yep. All right. Now let's talk about some of the basketball. Basketball-related. Pleasant now. surprises. Uh, starting with Kelly Oubre. He goes, holy shit. Holy shit. <laughs> he got benched. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah. He's, I, wait. Good. He, I think he's out of the starting lineup now for the Warriors, if I'm not wrong. Good. He, it's brutal. It is fucking brutal. He's shooting like negative, so, <laughs> negative percent from three. <laughs> on five and a half attempts, I think he's shooting 20%. Which even Westbrook would be like, dude, you got to stop shooting threes. Oh, my God. And look at this. So I sent you this last night. Kelly Oubre has more turnovers than he has assists and made threes this season. He has 28 turnovers and 21 made threes. Oh, my God. Oh, that's a terrible assist-to-turnover ratio. My God, he is struggling. I mean, this is this is bad. This is like confidence killing bad. Yeah. One thing I will say about him, though, like when I've watched the Warriors, he's still playing hard on defense. Yeah. So kudos to him for not for not putting your head down. Which I love. Yeah, I like that. It's it's just woo. He's bad. It's very bad. <laughs> Do you, do you want to see his uh, his bo- offensive box plus minus? It's minus 4.1. Yikes. Taking away four points from the Warriors. That's how bad he is. Now he's around zero for defense, so kudos to him for continuing to try. But oh my God. Uh. It's bad. It's very bad. And think about what a high bar it is for this to be a confidence killer. He was in the garden, Boston Garden, hearing fuck you, Ubre" <laughs> for an entire seven-game series. <laughs> think about what a high bar it is for Kelly Ubre to lose his confidence. We were part of that crowd. <laughs> yes. Hey, I... We were, we were part of that crowd. Don't deny it. <laughs> we were 100% part of that crowd. My favorite part of that was there was also an 11-year-old sitting in front of us who was part of that crowd. And his parents were just there like, what? <laughs> <We can't> say- <laughs> well, that's what he gets for punching Kelly Olenek, right? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> but yeah, no, Kelly Oubre has been a, an unpleasant surprise. Yep. Speaking of terrible shooting, Lonzo Ball... Dude, ugh, I feel like he's being used wrongly in um, in New Orleans. It doesn't help that he shares the court with Eric Bledsoe a lot. Yeah, I mean, the Pelicans. Oh, they did play. They did beat the Bucks earlier today. Just um, 
I mean, last night, just so you guys, uh, just so that's not missed. But yeah, like he has been playing, he's been playing poorly. Some might, some are even saying that Lamelo's already better than him. Lamelo is slightly in a better situation. I mean, if you think about the Pelicans starting lineup, it's Lonzo can't shoot, it's Bledsoe who can't shoot, Brandon Ingram, good shooter, Zion can't shoot, Stephen Adams can't shoot. <laughs> What is Lonzo supposed to do? His new and improved jump shot has not has not shown up. Basically, it hasn't like resulted no. in anything. So he's shooting thirty three percent from three. Well, at least he's still a good defender. He is. He is. He's just he's an elite. That's the thing. He's an elite defender. So whoever says Lamelo's a better player, watch Lonzo on defense. He's elite. A lot of Twitter Pelicans fans are complaining about the spacing or like. Yeah, no shit. Lonzo Ball is just not in a good situation. Yep. Some people are like, "Are you like still? Are you still believe he's a good player? Is just in the wrong situation, or is he just trash? Like he's this is who trash. he is. He sucks." Here's the th- <laughs> no. I think he's just in a bad situation. Like his, if you think about his, what his best skills are on the offensive, it, his best skill is defense. On offense, it's his passing. So he needs to be in a yep. fast system. He needs to be. In a situation where he doesn't have to have the ball all the time. Yeah, they don't. They don't. I feel like the Pelicans. I want to take a look at their pace, but they don't do a lot of fast breaks. Like I remember, there was like a video clip of like lobs from Lonzo to Zion from last year, and we haven't basically haven't seen that this yeah, year. Yeah, we really haven't. So their pace. <laughs> so, yeah. So their pace. Twenty first in the league. It's ninety nine. So that's ninety nine possessions per game. That's pretty slow. Yeah, that's not um, maybe that's not the best situation for for Alonzo type player, you know. Yeah, like his best attribute on offense is that uh, what's it called? The touchdown pass, basically. Oh yeah. So if he can ever like get into a chance in a scenario where he can probably he should be trying to go for defensive rebounds because he's a great outlet passer. Yeah, there that's you one go. thing. Or if he gets the ball, he can just push it up the court like. I just imagine him in Phoenix. Oh my God, him and Devin Booker would be insane. I saw Warriors people trying to trade for him. <laughs> He'd be good in Golden State. Yeah, he's just high IQ passer. High IQ passer. I mean, shit. How much of an IQ do you need to pass to Stephen Curry <laughs> coming off the screen, right? I think that's one thing that the Pelicans are missing. Like, I mean, the Warriors are missing in their offense. Some. Yeah. High IQ passing besides Draymond besides and Draymond. Steph, I guess. Yeah. I kind of want the Warriors to trade for Lonzo. I mean, he'd be he'd be great even when Clay Thompson comes back. Yeah. He'll be like a, a light version of Andre Iguodala if you think about it. They trade they trade Lo, trade Lonzo for Kelly. <laughs> the Pelicans would never do the that. The Pelicans would be like, <laughs> no. Give me all your picks first. Absolutely fucking not. Um, Give me James Wiseman. <laughs> yikes. No, absolutely not. <laughs> All oh, right. Man. So uh, last unpleasant one is, holy shit, the Wizards suck. Ah, Westbrook as well. It's basically Bradley Beal and everyone else. I feel so bad for Bradley Beal. Ugh. So like, spoiler alert, I'm going to have Bradley Beal in the All-Star team, even though his team is 3-12, and 12, because it's, this is just a crappy situation that is not his fault. Because, 
Oh my God, you cannot make that stuff up. He already, yeah, like he committed to them, and now like it's uh, it's sort of on the front office to give him a good team, and they haven't built one. Nah, this trade season. him, trade him. I have here in my notes, trade Bradley Beal. I want him out of there. As a fan, yes. But I, I like I like that he hasn't said that he wants to leave yet. Me too. Me too. But I think like all of the former players, and I probably agree with them, and even some current players, are saying like, you've been loyal. Get out of there. Yeah. You've already demonstrated, he's demonstrated his loyalty. Right? As long as he doesn't go to a superpower, like this is form another super team with like maybe the Lakers or the Clippers or something. I have thoughts about where I want him to go. You want to you want to say that now? <laughs> yeah, you know, fuck it. I'll just say I was gonna keep it. You know what? Philadelphia. Oh, who would they trade? Uh, Ben Simmons. That would be interesting. The Wizards would say, "Fuck no," but. I mean, if, if if Bradley Beal demands a trade, that would I'd take Ben Simmons <laughs> if he doesn't want to be here anymore. But, oh yeah, it yeah. would be nice if Ben Simmons if you didn't have to trade Ben Simmons, but then you probably have to trade Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, I mean he's good. I almost don't want to do it, but shit, like if if you for Bradley Beal, I do it. I I get rid of Maxey. I don't know if I get rid of Maxey and Ben Simmons. Yeah, I I'd rather keep. To somehow keep Simmons. Some, try to keep Simmons, but honestly, like if it comes down to it, I would, I would pull the trigger. Like, yeah, let's get Simmons out of here. He just doesn't. It just doesn't fit. I'm sorry to say, like it, it doesn't help that he's not being aggressive. He's not helping. We'll talk team. about this more in the Sixers Lakers game later. <laughs> I think, I think he's okay. Yes. We'll, we'll talk about. Oh, we'll All right. So the Wizards suck. They, yeah, the Wizards suck. They won't make the playoffs, unfortunately. Yeah, so the Wizards suck. It's bad. Trade Bradley Beal. All right. For our next segment, um, the NBA recently opened the uh, All-Star ball- All-Star voting this week for the starters, for the fans. So yes. in yes. line with that, the, we are going to predict the NBA All-Stars for the season, at least who we think deserves all-star selections for the first quarter of the season. Um, just just to give a background again, um, we'll, we'll be picking for the starters for each conference, two backcourt players and two three frontcourt players. And then for the bench, we got two backcourt, two backcourts, three frontcourts, and two wildcards. So 12, 12 players overall. Um, yeah, so how do you want to do this? I think it'd be easiest to do the starters because... Yeah, let's do the starters. I've got... Let's start with the West? Yeah, let's start, yeah, with, the start with the West. So, with the West, I've got two guys who are like surefire starters. And then the other three are like... The candidates for the other positions are surefire all-stars, but I don't know who's going to get selected for the starters. But surefire starters are LeBron and Jokic. There's no no way those, those two aren't getting in. I, I agree with that, yep. Yep. At the front court spot, my last front court spot... It's this is really between Paul George and Kawhi, and I'm leaning towards Kawhi. Um, and of course, that said, Paul George is going to make the All Star team, whether he starts or comes off the bench. And then for the guards, I have, and I still haven't totally decided this because it's between Steph, Luca, and Dane. 
and I have Stefan Luca starting. Oh, okay. But it could become Dame. Like it just depends on how they play the rest of the time. Okay. Um, I don't know. I, I did you check the ballot? Because I kind of have. I'm not sure if I this will actually be a valid ballot right now. <laughs> I didn't check, just because um I have um I have Paul George as a guard. No, I think he's forward, dude. Fuck. <laughs> But he plays guard. He plays lead guard for them. Oh man. Okay. That's actually true. Yeah. That's a good point. Um. Well, that's that's what I had as my that that's what I had as my original starting five. So my my starting five. Although I made this swap yes. just now. Um. I swapped Kawhi Leonard to Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis. Um, <laughs> Are you kidding he's me? He's gonna make the all. He's gonna make. He's it. gonna make the all star. He's one of my surefire all star. Because I mean, the the first reason I had him there was because this fifty percent of the vote is fans, Lakers fans are gonna vote him in. Uh, <laughs> but I uh, I thought about more deserving, so I put Kawhi up. I put Kawhi instead. Um, but I have okay, now nice. I have yeah basically LeBron, Jokic, Leonard, and then backcourt Steph Curry and Paul George. Yeah, Paul George front court. I just looked at it. So you gotta pick someone else, dude. Ah, it's not a valid. Okay, not valid. You gotta change it. I'd probably swap in. I'd probably swap Lillard then. Lillard in then. Okay, that's that's that sucks that's for fair. Paul George though. I might. I yeah, I would consider putting him over Kawhi in the starting lineup. Yeah, I I thought about it too. I just think that. Paul George just ha- has an insane hot streak right now. It's gonna he's gonna when he comes down to earth, Kawhi is gonna be the guy. I mean for sure, but like we're rewarding his performance so far, right? So I guess that's true. I but like if we're talking about their performance so far, um, their overall. So I looked at their splits. So the Clippers have an offensive rating of one sixteen point seven. It's like third in the NBA or something like that. Um, with Kawhi Leonard on the court and Paul George off the court, the Clippers' offensive rating goes up to 122. Oh, okay. But flip it, Paul George without Kawhi, it only goes up to 117. So it's like a one-point difference with only Paul George. It's 5-6 with Kawhi. So that's why I have it. That's fair. That's fair. Now, that's, that's not the only thing, but I would just say, like, I, I do think Kawhi is a little better overall and Paul George's hot hot streak's gonna come down. Yeah, as it always does. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's the starters for the West. Um, yep. Wait, who, what's what's our main difference? Luca and Dame, basically, right? Yeah, Luca and Dame, and it, for me, it could go either way. Right now, I'm just giving it to Luca because his numbers are better. I I really can't. I can't decide. It's it's it's. I could really hard this to decide to be honest. Yeah. It's it's valid, Dame versus Luca, and Dame might get it because he's got a lot of fans for the vote. Um, I just put Luca because I think that he's made another step on the defensive end. Like he's a legitimate. Now he's a neutral at defense. Like he's really, he's really trying. And for someone who impacts the offense the way he does, that's a big improvement for a 21 year old. So I, I put Luca for a word in there. Yeah, I think this early in the season, it's hard to take into consideration like wins just because it's not enough games and oh, they're all sure. so close. <laughs> yeah, and they're getting canceled left and right. Yeah, like, there you go. <laughs> there are teams that have played 20 games. The Wizards have played 15 games. 
<laughs> the Grizzlies have played like 13 games or something like that. So it's not an apples to apples comparison. It's tough. So I'm not taking into account wins yet either. It's too early to say, yeah. Way too early. Plus, uh, when we go to the, let's, you want to just do the, the yeah, let's do the East starters. Let's see the East starters. Clearly, like, I have Bradley Beal. And if we're taking into account wins, then Bradley Beal's the exact opposite. <laughs> Not that he doesn't help his team. It's just like the Wizards are so bad. Mm. But I have Bradley Beal here with Jalen Brown. Nice. <laughs> the front court, like, there, there's no question in my mind that this is going to be the East front court. It's Embiid, KD, and Giannis. There's no doubt. No way anyone else is getting it. We almost have this. No, I, I, I right now have Harden on the starting lineup over Beal. Beal is still in the All Star te- team, though. But yeah, I put Harden there. I can, yeah. I can see that. Uh, that's fair. I just he hasn't played enough games with the to Nets. say that he's there. So I have Harden on the team. Yeah, yeah. It's just it, it was a little tough. I just want to see a little more. Plus, Harden is not. He's mm-hmm. still figuring things out. That's that's kind of why I have it. Like he's been very yeah. aggressive with his passing, and if he figures out this balance between passing and scoring with the Nets, then I think he he might surpass Beal. But Beal might just get it out of voting. Like everyone has seen how miserable he is, and they're just like, "Oh, Bradley, here you go." Yeah, I mean, he's been making headlines just like, "Oh, he's putting up so much points," but like they're still losing by twenty. I know, but he can't help how bad his teammates are. Dude, I really hope he makes it. I really do. 35 per game. Isn't he the leading? He's leading lead leader, lead leader in scoring, right? By a mile. Yeah. But I could, I could see an argument for Harden. I just want to see more. He's already been snubbed. Well, if you want to argue, he's been snubbed the last, two, the last year as well. <laughs> Not only oh, an all-star, yeah. but also in um, All-NBA. Uh, but hopefully he gets it this year. Trade Beal to the Sixers. All right, let's move on. Okay, uh, which bench do you want to start with? Let's start with the West because I'm, I'm fairly confident with these seven. Okay, then before the wild card or like all, all seven? All seven. Okay, um, who do you have? So my, my seven, of course, I have PG, AD, and Dame. As I mentioned, my others are Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, and this is where we may have some disagreements. Brandon Ingram, Rudy Gobert. Okay, okay. I'm pretty. I I wanted to reward the Jazz. I mean, even though we did say records don't <laughs> shouldn't like aren't a, a big factor, but I wanted to put both of them in there. So I I do have both Gobert and Mitchell. Yeah. Um, actually, we have the same. I also picked Devin Devin Booker. I already mentioned PG, AD, and Lucas. And I was picking between Zion and Brandon Ingram, actually. That's my last one. Yes. <laughs> that was a hard That's one. That was... that was a hard one for me, too. But my, my argument, other than Brandon Ingram, is the better player between the two. I just think, you know, Zion, neither of them alone really, like, moves the needle on offense. And part of that's just roster construction. But Zion just takes so much off the table defensively. It's 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 very bad. How bad it's insane how bad Zion is on defense. Considering his physical tools, he's terrible. 
he actually makes the Pelicans way worse on defense. And at least Brandon Ingram is neutral. Yeah, I mean that the thing like the way the, the way the Pelicans games have gone. I can't. I won't. I won't deny the defense. By the way, uh, but it's they're basically like a one-two punch. Some it'll be like mm-hmm. for a spurt, it's Brandon Ingram, then it's Zion, or vice versa. So, I wanted to reward one of them. I picked Zion yeah. just because he'll be more fun in an All-Star game. To be honest, uh, yeah. But I, I would probably, I would, I would agree that Brandon Ingram is probably the better player. Oh, that's this fair. That's very fair. So. I could swap them out. For me, that would be the only one you would I would swap. I think I agree with you. Zion would be so much fun in an All Star game, and I think that he might get he might still just get in because of that. But you know, I I would disagree with it. I think Brandon Ingram deserves to be in there. He's a good player. Now here's the here's the caveat with this. So I have three guards here in the back in the. Um, as the subs, it's it, I have Dame Mitchell and Devin Booker. And here's the thing: if CJ McCollum was playing and continued to play the way that he was, I probably would have put CJ instead of Donovan Mitchell or Devin Booker. Like both of them would not have made it. CJ was playing better than both of them. Yeah, um, CJ probably should have made it, which sucks. Uh, who are some other players that were outside looking in for you? Zion, maybe Christian Wood. Christian Wood um, would, have, yeah. Maybe, but I, I can't. Um, <laughs> really, that that was about it. Like that's the thing. The other guys that I could have considered just are hurt. Carl Anthony Towns, Conley. Um, not good enough. So I would I wouldn't have put him over the other guys. <laughs> I wouldn't. I like. I wouldn't also put three Jazz as all stars. I'm yeah. not sure about that. Also. <laughs> yeah. Just the parity of the league is just so. That's why I fo- I thought that the West was a little easier to decide. I really am only conflicted with maybe one, but I'm pretty confident with my pick. It's the East. So let's move on to the East. I want to hear who you have. Okay. Um, so we mentioned Bradley Beal earlier. Yes. Locke. And of course, shocker, I have James Harden okay, okay. in there. So go with your rest. Locks. Sabonis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tatum. Despite the missed games, Chris Middleton, those are my locks, I would say. Okay. Then my last three here that could easily be swapped out with some others. I'll probably put Ben Simmons. I put Ben Simmons here as more as a. Wow. Ben Simmons. As a stiffer lock. <laughs> Hear this. It's Ben Simmons, Kyrie what? Swerving. So I'm putting Whoa. all three. Ne- I put all three nets in there. You have all three nets. All three nets. And Trey, Trey Young. So you have Sabonis, Tatum, mm-hmm. Chris Middleton, Bradley Beal. Sorry, I didn't count. We didn't count Bradley Beal earlier. Bradley Beal, Kyrie, Ben Simmons, okay. Trey Young, seven. All right. So we're going to have some discussion here. Outside looking in, Bam, Sexton, Malcolm, Malcolm Brogdon, Garen Hayward, maybe. That's fair. Yeah. I don't have Hayward in here, but I have him outside looking in. So those three, I bet those three were your three. Would you replace my last three with? Okay, so yeah, <laughs> ones that are similar to you. So of course I have um, Harden, Harden as a bench player who could move into the starting. Trey Young. I have Demonte Sabonis. 
That guy's playing so well. Man. I have Jason Tatum. <laughs> I have uh, Julius Randle. I have uh, you. Did you even have him outside looking in? No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, no, I didn't. I have Julius Randle. I have Bam Adebayo. This last one, I'm not super confident with, and I, I may end up changing it. This one, I'm really picking between three guys. I have Zach Levine in right now, but I could easily change it to Malcolm Brogdon or Chris Middleton. I haven't decided yet. Zach Levine. But I have Zach Levine in right now, but it could easily be Brogdon and Middleton. I do not have Irving. Yeah, I'm, I'm very iffy on the Irving one, to be honest. And Simmons. I'm not iffy on Simmons. He's out. I do not have him in. <laughs> here's, here's my reason why. Here's my reason why. Has he ostensibly, like, has he gotten any better in four years? Offensively. But that's not that's not the question about all stars. Is that is that what the all star selection is? That's fair, but is Ben Simmons a better player right now than Jason Tatum? Oh, they Tatum definitely like his leaps. Even Jalen Brown, their their leaps are so much better, so much more significant. Now than... let's let's even let's even think about this. Is Ben Simmons a better player than Kyrie Irving? I think Kyrie Kyrie has the potential to be more impactful. Off court stuff aside, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, like, just of course. here. Here's my here's my hot take on Ben Simmons. He's not that impactful on the game. You think? The way he's playing this year, he should be more. And last year, I was like, hundred percent, Ben Simmons is an all star. This year, I'm like, no fucking way. He's so passive. He doesn't totally understand what he has in a physical package, like. I can only name two other guys with a similar physical package than him. Physical package. That's LeBron and Zion. So I don't under... And you could put Giannis in there. So why isn't he playing like Giannis or Zion? Zion looks better than him. Even though I wouldn't say that's true. He looks better. So Ben Simmons is scoring 14 points on 56.9% true shooting. You would think that a guy who shoots as little as he does should have greater efficiency he doesn't he, his his offense is basically transition offense duck downs layups. yeah but he's, <laughs> even this year he's not that aggressive at it so his offensive box plus minus is 0.1 his offensive raptor is zero his defensive raptor is zero shit <laughs> yes and so and here's here's the real kicker so the, the Sixers' offense overall is 111.1, right? And I wasn't going to bust this out till later, but with, but I'm just going to talk about it now because this is my argument for Ben Simmons. It's 111, right? With Joel Embiid without Ben Simmons, the offense gets better to 114. Now, of course, with both of them, it goes up to 120. So that's mm-hmm. an argument to keep Ben Simmons. But then when Ben Simmons is alone and Joel Embiid's off the court, they become the worst offense in the NBA. It's 103. Yikes. And like, I'm not, expe- I'm not like expecting Ben Simmons because his best attribute isn't scoring. I wouldn't expect a drop-off like that. 
that's too that's a really big drop that's way too big so like the the argument for ben is that when he plays with joel they get really good and i that's fair but the way simmons has played like he has disappeared offensively and his defense is still good it's good but it hasn't been that it's it's not it's not as good as it was last year it's not his uh defense you know the, the defensive player of the year level I don't feel good about it anymore. Well, um, the reason I had him here, again, rewarding the Sixers for having a strong start to the season. I mean, it's only a quarter of the season in. And and they've had the second easiest schedule. Yeah, that's also a thing to consider. Keep, keep that in mind. <laughs> Their offense isn't that great. That's a thing. They have a very. They actually have a very pedestrian offense. It's a lot. It's a lot to do with Embiid, like just going crazy, right? Yeah. So I mean, here's the thing: like, the reason Embiid is just so great is because when he's on the floor, the Sixers' offense is one of the best in history. History. I mean, like this Joel on the on the court with Ben was 120, and alone yeah. it goes up to 114, which is pretty good. It's just when Embiid's off the court, they flounder. They're bad. Mm. Em- like, if just Embiid off the court, it drops to 104. Okay, that's not, this is not looking good for my pick, so I might swap it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I think my first one was Bam, so I'll probably put Bam in there now. I would put Bam in there. I'm still not sure about Kyrie, but who are you other again? Zach Levine. Zach Levine may have been a. I may. I may be like Julius Randle pushing it a little bit. I just like when you look at the numbers and not necessarily take into account the wins, which Chicago is not doing as awful as I thought they'd be. Mm-hmm. He's averaging twenty six per seventy five on sixty four percent true shooting, and his playmaking is up to almost twelve. He'd be good as like a. Do you think he'd be good as a second second string? Uh, second. Star oh, yeah. kind of player, right? Second option. Kind of want him on the Warriors, but I mean, like, if you just just looking at the numbers, that's that's as good as Kyrie Irving's numbers. And you know, you, we, you know, I'm not advocating for Levine being as good as Kyrie Irving. I'm just saying, like, with assuming all things equal. And the net, he didn't have all that shit with the nets. Kyrie would be here yeah. easy. Because he missed like what? It was six games. And like, I'm usually like this year, I'm a little extra generous with missed time because COVID happens. Like, yeah, that's why Tatum's in here. Exactly. Tatum's there. Frankly, you could make an argument KD has missed too many games. He's missed six games. They've played 20 games. But that's all from like back to backs, right? A lot of that was COVID. Yeah, oh, yeah COVID, some of it yeah. was COVID. Two of them were like Achilles recovery. So I find, to me, that's acceptable. Yeah. That's why we have Tatum here. Kyrie missed Six games just like he didn't want to show up. Yeah. Like, it would be nice if there was an explanation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If the Nets have an explanation for why Irving's out, great. It just doesn't seem like it. So that's kind of why. I could easily put Brogdon or Middleton in there because they're, they're both really good. I, I think I had too much beer last night. Maybe that's why I put Zach Levine. <laughs> but in my defense, Zach Levine is is having a year. He's doing really good. Yeah, I mean, it can't it can't deny the output. 
but yeah, you can't deny the output basically. And Chris Middleton, of course, has great numbers, but he plays for the Bucks, so his on-off is going to be better than the other guys. But I mean, he is having an All-Star year: twenty-three and a half points for seventy-five, sixty-three point eight true shooting, nine, uh, pretty much ten true assists. He's a good defender. You know, he's he's a legit player. So I could I could put Chris Middleton instead of Zach Levine. I think that'd be fair. Could even argue Malcolm Brogdon over Zach Levine. Malcolm Brogdon is also really good. I think gun to my head, I'll put Chris Middleton instead there. Instead of Zach Levine, truthfully. But yeah, for me, outside looking in, besides the guys I previously mentioned, of course Irving, because he's a good player at the end of the day. Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton, yeah. AKA the Brooklyn Nets father. <laughs> I mean, he's having himself a year. 27 for 75 on 61.3 true shooting. Not bad. Pretty good. The Cavs are sneaky good. Yeah. I'm pretty sure not everyone's watching them. Like, yeah. Colin Sexton's made good improvements. He's a legit player. I don't know if he'll make the all-star team. But he's, he's legit. He's a good player. Yep. All right. Any other thoughts? Uh, no. Shall we move on to the GG of the week week? GG of the week week. So uh, we, I kind of want it. It's nice because I've watched a lot of Nets games and I'm done with the Nets for a little while. <laughs> you guys follow Rafa on Twitter for his video breakdowns of the Nets defense. Oh, man, it's bad. <laughs> so I've I've made a vow to not watch the Nets until like mid to third week of February to see if they've improved. I'm not watching any Nets. <laughs> I watched like the first four games with the big and then plus one since Harden got traded to the Nets. I'm done because they (laughs) like not, you know, I've made my conclusions about it for what they are now. Let's move on to other teams. And we've picked the one from Wednesday Philadelphia 76ers versus the LA Lakers. Yes, this was a matchup between the top two seeds at the time. At the time, yes. Because the Lakers lost their last two games. Yep. Uh, so it was the best of the East versus the best of the West? At the time, yes. Potentially a finals matchup, maybe? We'll see. <laughs> uh, I have my thoughts. Yeah, before we get into the actual basketball, just do your rant. <laughs> just go ahead. Okay. Um, so one thing I wanted to <laughs> to shout to, to mention before that we talk about this was the jerseys. <laughs> they Individually, they look fine. I actually kind of like the blue throwback Lakers jerseys. I do too. They're pretty cool. (laughs) But first of all, blue on the blue court was quite annoying to watch. Like It was hard to watch. And then also like just seeing like I think this is is what you said. Like you got the uh, you got the colors inverted for some reason. You thought thought the Sixers were blue and the Lakers are red? Uh I know, I know. I, I didn't think about it. Like, the first possession, someone drove to the basket on the Lakers. I was like, wait, wait, wait why does what, LeBron? Oh, that's the Lakers. <laughs> I really thought that the Lakers are the Sixers without really thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, this thing with the, with, with the, um, with the jerseys where they're not wearing – the home team isn't wearing white anymore. It quite pisses me off. I don't know why they – I don't know why they stopped doing this. Like – I don't know how long. I don't know when the last game I when what's the last game I watched where the home team was actually wearing white. 
like yeah. it's not like probably don't watch enough games but <laughs> but it just happens so often where like Celtics are wearing green at home or like the Lakers are wearing yellow on the road and they're wearing purple at home like why is this happening why can't they wear like their home court home court colors on their on their home court I kind of miss like watching the Lakers games on su- on Sundays or well Mondays here where they wear white you know white Sundays it's a little traditional what they, do, what they used yeah. to do um yeah it's just kind of confusing it's kind of confusing sometimes yeah i don't know i'm okay with the lack of white jerseys because some white jerseys are pretty ugly but i i agree the home and away thing is quite like when they invert when they reverse it like the away team's wearing white like what what are they doing why is the home team wearing black isn't that a isn't that a international soccer thing their home colors are like their their dark color and their away colors are like the white. Okay, that's that's fair. But I mean, I don't know. I, I'm okay with the lack of white jerseys. Just, I mean, the, the Lakers, the thing is, it's Lakers gold. That's their home jersey. That one, that's uh, particularly with the Lakers. Like, why are they wearing gold in Cleveland? Yeah, I feel like they should plan. I agree with you. They should plan this a little better. Um, <laughs> all right. So um, something I just this I noticed like, of course most uh, teams do not have fans in the arenas, and I I definitely noticed it because it was Doc Rivers speaking. The <laughs> coaches aren't shouting at their players anymore. <laughs> I only noticed that now because it's Doc Rivers. Like he, his voice he isn't as raspy. He doesn't have his like ashy vo- vocal cords anymore. <laughs> So good for Doc. <laughs> I actually didn't. I actually didn't think about that, but now that you mentioned it, I know. Well, again, I only noticed it because of Doc Rivers. <laughs> so there's that. Um, and there was um, like sometime in the third quarter. I think it was after the halftime or like that quarter interview. I'm not. I don't remember exactly, but so Lisa Salters shared a really interesting conversation she had with jerry west about kobe bryant oh so yeah he was mentioning how jerry west and kobe used to love to trash talk each other and the more i think about it's like i so badly want to hear what they were saying to each other but she provided some insight where she asked jerry how kobe felt about west's place in nba history uh jerry west told her you know we would have great conversations about who is better (laughs) Jerry would say, Kobe, you may be the black mamba, but a mongoose would always destroy a mamba. So I'm the mongoose. And then Kobe would be like, well, I'm no ordinary mamba. And then Jerry would say, well, I'm no ordinary mongoose. <laughs> and I was like, it's not the best trash talk I've ever heard, but I, I so badly want to hear the other things that they said. I love that story. Yeah, that was a good story. Um, that was the day after, that game was the day after the anniversary, right? Yeah. It's fitting they had that was. story there. It was very fitting. Um, so yeah, I just, man, I would love to hear what they were saying to each other. That argument, that actually, that, that argument between West and Kobe about like who's better all time, that's, it's not like a easy. It's not an easy like Kobe's better or no. West is better. That's no. that's a legitimate argument there. Oh yeah, and here's the thing: like 
Jerry West had a very, if you've never watched tape of Jerry West, watch tape of Jerry West. He could have, like, if you transport him from then to now, more than any other 60s player, would anyone fit into the current NBA as well as Jerry West would? Except he can't dribble Even with his, his left hand. Pull-up game. <laughs> now, that is an extremely inaccurate for the reason being you could not pronate your or supinate your forearm at all. He dribbles that way because if your palm was not fully facing down, that's traveling or double dribble. Yeah. You, you allow Jerry West to dribble the way these guys can dribble now. They basically like carry every single time. But every crossover is a carry. I haven't seen many clips of him actually dribbling with, dribbling with his left hand though. That's the thing. I'm not talking about the whole like handle situation. It's like left-handed dribbling might be an issue. I don't think so. If you just drop him in, like, assuming like he came up today, probably develop a pretty fine, good. Give him, a, give him a summer, he'd be fine. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But his he he had a left hand. He just never he he didn't have to use it. But when he does, it's fine. Like he pulls up for going left all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right, shall we get into the basketball of it? To the game. Um, a little bit of context for Philly because I know a lot of people. He had the best record. Is it in the NBA? Not. At the, I don't think at the time. I think the Jazz or like the Lakers yeah. had the best at the time. Yeah. Well, the Sixers have the best in the East. Yes. Um, and you know, one thing to note about the Sixers, and this may allude to whether they're contenders or not. They are twelfth in offensive rating. And their defensive rating is fifth. Both of which makes sense to me. So we'll get let's get into that. So first topic we wanted to talk about here was <laughs> other than the rat about the jerseys, is Joel Embiid's ability. Because man, he's a beast. He is really good. He's really good. Um I think he he, he was getting a lot in the post, but not only that, like he he does a lot of like perimeter based stuff as well. He does. When you're that big, your primary method of scoring should be the post. Yeah. But I mean, there are a couple times when in secondary transition, he did a hezzy pull up on Marcus All and went in. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was like, ooh, I like that. He has some guard moves. Yeah. He has some guard moves. And I think, like, in the modern NBA, you can't just have, you can't be a one trick pony. You have to have some of that. Should he be posting up majority of the time? Absolutely. But having a spot-up three-point shot, a, a, a hezzy pull-up in the mid-range, get some easy buckets where you don't have to like hit people in the... Because how many times did Embiid fall in this game? He hit the deck a lot. And so actually one thing I wanted to mention also about it, he flops quite a bit. <laughs> flops quite a bit. <laughs> Which he is does. quite annoying for someone's his size. Yes, he definitely does. But the LeBron one was not quite a flop. No, so no, for sure. For sure, that was not a flop. But here's the thing. He does hit the deck. And one thing I really was trying to pay attention to, and this has significant implications for the end of the game, when you're in the post, especially for a guy like Embiid, the refs just allow way more physicality yeah. to him. Marc Gasol is like throwing his elbows at Embiid. And nothing, you could easily say Embiid is getting fouled every time. It's the nature of the post play in the in the NBA. It's quite annoying because like the premier players get so much protection from the refs. 
post players just straight up don't because they're like there are a couple of unwritten rules in the NBA for the refs. One is moving screens are allowed if you pretend that you're not setting a screen anymore. Yeah. The other one is you can't you can't use your forearm on perimeter players, but if they turn their back to the basket, you can use your forearm. Yep. Right? Like if if you weren't allowed to use your forearm and like or you move use your leg to like really push someone away from the basket, Embiid would get deep post position every time. But he doesn't. Like they try to get him in a deep position sometimes. I, I think they should do it more, but it's like he's not getting deep because people they're allowing him to be more physical. No wonder Embiid is getting tired. He has to fight so hard every time. To be fair to him, he did not look super winded in this game. That he did last he did year. Here's the thing, he's in shape now. And he's still like he's in shape now and he's still having to fight for everything. Yeah, actually quite a lot of physicality down there. But even even the even even with all that, he still he still had more, he still scored a lot in Marcus Hall. Oh dude, he dominated. I mean, yeah. He got to the free throw, he had six free throw attempts in the first quarter. He's averaging yeah. 11 per game. Yeah, 13 13 in the game. I mean, that's that's a thing like Frank Vogel said to like to guard and be just don't let him get to the free throw line. Like you you have to live with him making shots in the field. You have to. Yeah, that's why like it's for him like it was really frustrating that he would like settle a lot for three in previous seasons, which I think yeah. he only took for how sure. many did he take this game? Three, three only. Like that's good. That's like an okay number. I think like that's an appropriate number. Three, that's good. So, um, and like I said, the the Sixers' offense is like very elite with Joel on the floor and off the floor. They're the worst offense in the NBA. So there you go. One thing I, but here's the thing. Like the thing I'm very most impressed with is Joel's defense. A couple of highlights that for Joel that I wanted to, to point out here. Um, Joel and B will throw a fake at guys. And he caught Schroeder twice in this game. Where on a pick and roll, Schroeder, they, they drop coverage on Schroeder, which is the right call. And the point of attack defender is contesting from behind. But Joel will kind of be in between uh, the ball handler and the roll man. Um, He'll, on one possession, he faked back to cover the, the roll guy. So Schroeder went up for the shot, and Embiid contested it because Embiid meant, like, tricked him. Then on a separate possession, Embiid faked him the other way. Embiid faked like he was going to guard Schroeder, but he, like, leads him. But then Schroeder's under the basket. He doesn't have a shot, so he had to kick it out. And I'm like, that is a brilliant defensive manipulation. I don't know of anyone else that does that. He just like discarded two shots without having to really contest them. It's brilliant. I love it. It's so smart. Yeah, I mean he's he's playing really great defense for the Sixers. And here here's another thing like Embiid would probably be classified as a drop big, but at the end of the game, yeah. On a LeBron James isolation, LeBron drives left. Embiid stays with him. And this is the end of the game. This is like the last Lakers possession, I think. Or the second to last. 
the uh, within the like last minute or so. It was in the last minute, and Embiid stays with LeBron James. Oh yeah, I remember that. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, very impressive. So yeah, like it'll be it'll be pretty interesting to see if he'll keep it up in the playoffs. But he's really looking he's looking good right now for sure. He is looking good. This is what we people were saying like Joel Embiid could be the best player in the NBA if he got in shape. And holy shit, he's making a good argument. He's looking in shape. That's that's actually really great for him. All right. Uh, do you want to talk about the next thing, which is Ben Simmons' lack thereof? Ability. Yeah, I mean, he started the game. Like, he scored the first few buckets right of the game. He was like getting layups. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the Ben Simmons that should be playing all game. But then he like yeah disappears as you say. And then he disappears. Here's the thing. I'm knocking Ben Simmons for what he's doing, not for what he can do. Of course, I, I have like many criticisms for the way he trains because he's clearly not made significant improvements in four mm-hmm. years offensively he's added nothing to his offensive game he continues to work on this jump shot that is never going to work straight up he's never going to be a good jump shooter he doesn't shoot enough in the game for him to get repetitions his form is terrible it's never going to happen he should be working on his ball handling specifically being able to create space for him to get to the rim because he was very aggressive right out of the gate yeah he had like three lamps yeah they all went in and all against LeBron James, uh, one of the greatest defensive players of all time. So I'm Mark here. If I'm Ben Simmons, I would pretend that every guy in front of me is LeBron James. Because he seems to love going at LeBron. We'll just bully him. And again, guys with physical package that Simmons has, it's limited to Giannis, LeBron, and Zion. And yet, of all four of those guys, he is far and away the least aggressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think we see enough of him like running down court and like going no. the coast to coast Giannis style. Yeah, and here's the thing: like, of course, his best attribute on offense is his passing. But yeah, I mean, he is. You don't really get to see it a lot in half court. That's the thing. No, he, he's about. 16 true assists per 75. But like when you look at the, the raw numbers, it's like uh, it's 14, so it's pretty good. But he did have a triple double. He did have a triple game. double, I will say. But so that's the thing. His why wouldn't why couldn't his numbers be to Damian Lillard's level where it's 17? And the true assists. Well, on the true assists when he's a much better passer than Lillard. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I feel like he's leaving stuff on the table because he's not being aggressive. Yeah, actually, that's a fair. That's a fair thing. Like there are points in the game where you just don't notice him. Yeah. Um, so that's probably something he should work on. You know, mm-hmm. uh, getting more aggressive and yes. I guess driving to the basket is the big thing, as you mentioned, the handle. Yeah. And and a little bit of him crashing the offensive glass, which he does sometimes, and I like that, but. There, there's much more that Simmons can do. He just leaves too much on the table for, for my liking. Mm-hmm. He's a good player. I don't think he's a bad player. Just he feel like he could be much better. He could be much better. And that, that leads me to really the 76ers offense when Embiid's not on the floor. Because there was a, the stretch during Embiid's first 
rest, which was end of the first. near the end of the first quarter, and, like three minutes into the first quarter. And then like Embiid comes back around nine minutes yeah. in the second quarter. So like a good six minutes without Embiid. And these were the, I looked at the play-by-play and holy shit, it's bad. <laughs> That's when the Lakers came Field back. Goals. This is when the Lakers came back. Because the I think the Sixers were up 14, maybe. Yeah. I don't remember. I should have written it down, but two out of six field goals, two turnovers, Dwight Howard, four free throws. He missed all of them. It's the one where he airballs it. <laughs> like airballs to the left, it, yes. like terribly. <laughs> yep. And then the last possession before MB comes back is a Tobias Harris drive and he gets free throws. Mm-hmm. So, like, the two main baskets were a Furkan Korkmaz pull-up mid-range and a three-point shot from, I can't remember who. That's like three good possessions out of 12. Yikes. <laughs> that's, that's bad. But another, another thing too, and this is a criticism of Doc, when the second quarter started, Embiid, Simmons, and Harris were all off the floor. He trusts his bench. Like, <laughs> like, why? I like Shake Milton. Well, Tyrese Maxey wasn't on there too. It yeah. was only Shake Milton. So I'm like, I like Shake Milton, but why? They got to have at least one of those three there. Why? Yeah. Like, why? Yep. Why are you doing this? The, 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 the Lakers came back because of that. Yeah. It is, actually, that, that's, a, that's a story of his game, right? It was like, Sixers build a lead. Lakers come back. Embiid comes off. Yeah, and and it coincides with it when Embiid comes off the floor. Yeah, and then it happened each time that they came back. Now here's the thing. Yeah, so the fourth quarter stretch where Embiid was off the floor, the Sixers actually did okay because Tobias Harris had a good stretch. Yeah, they stayed even. Harris had a good stretch. It was stayed even, which is great. Tobias Harris had a good stretch in that, and it really comes down to the clutch time, and this is why the the Lakers came back. So. Should we just go ahead and talk about the clutch time? Because we have a couple of more things to touch on. Yeah, so what, what do you think of the Lakers this game? It was quite weird because, like, LeBron had half their weird. points through, like, a quarter and a half. <laughs> yeah. It's 17, it's 17 points in the first, like, what, 14, 15 minutes of the game, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think Davis yep. had the rest of it as well. Yeah. So that's that's kind of why I have here the Lakers offense without LeBron because, well, firstly, if you want to watch a te- an elite defensive team, you watch the Lakers. I mean, they're still – I don't have a lot of notes for them because, like, my only criticism for them this game was they they followed and beat a little too much. Yeah. Elite rotations. They know how to help. It's good. Their offense without LeBron can be a little rough. Yeah, it's like they're still relying on – um. Uh, like they don't like especially when Schroeder in the first half was like what we had an over five or something yeah. did not look good. Although in the second half he did have like a few layups. Those his patented yeah. offhand off uh, off foot layup. Yes, but yes, love that. Yeah, they really are still missing like a a creator, I guess, besides LeBron. Yes, I think, and you would ideally think it's Anthony Davis. He just doesn't have that in this game. Yeah. And I made a couple notes here. It's like. Because the, the shift, the focus becomes, okay, we're going to get Anthony Davis the best looks possible for him. And 
they did a good job because when AD was matched up on Embiid, they get Davis cutting. They had Davis run an Iverson cut, which led him to a, an easy drive towards the baseline. They had, on a pick and pop, took him off the bounce. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So they know how to get Anthony Davis his shots. It just doesn't open up for the rest of the team because, as we've noted in the past, the Lakers' offense isn't that great from a schematic standpoint because it's, it's smart, but it's very basic. Yeah. It's not dynamic, and it's not gonna, the ball's not going to move a ton. It's very simplified and designed for their specific personnel. So Dennis Schroeder is not going to get – people are like, Dennis Schroeder's disappeared. And I'm like, no, he's just on a team that has LeBron James and Anthony Davis. He's going to get the ball as much, basically. And he's in the, start, exactly. he's in the starting lineup, right? Yeah. So he's going to – like, it's not – and because it's not so dynamic, he's just not going to get downhill that mm-hmm. much. So Dennis Schroeder doesn't disappear. He just isn't getting the same opportunities he did in Oklahoma. Yeah. Trade up. So, I don't know. What are your thoughts on the Lakers? I think one thing that, that really came out, we're, it'll come up when we talk about clutch time, I guess. But Alex Caruso did not play enough. And this is a serious, this is a serious one. This, it might sound like a joke, but it's pretty serious, I feel, because. He made a bunch of big plays in that clutch in the clutch the last four or five the last three minutes that helped them make their comeback. He absolutely did. And I think a little bit of a little bit more Caruso would help. I think they're all like just getting like garbage buckets as well. Um yeah. when there's no LeBron. Uh but yeah, I think Dave, Dave Davis needs to get more like easier shots for himself as well. Like a lot of his shots were like Hooks over Embiid that were pretty difficult, I would say. A couple of them were, but yeah. a couple of them were good shots. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But yeah, and then I think Davis as well. He hasn't been playing as well as he was last year. That is true. I think the one thing that really like shows that it was his um his free throw percentage like just dropped by like fifteen percent. <laughs> I don't know what ha- what's happening with that. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, like I think he was shooting eighty five percent. During the playoffs last year, now he's shooting like seventy. Very significant drop off. <laughs> yeah, man. There was that's that stretch in the fourth quarter where, like, the Lakers missed a lot of free throws in the fourth quarter. Which, pro- if they make them, yeah. they win the game. Yeah, they probably. At win one the point, game. AD and LeBron missed four in a row between both yeah. of them. For um, sure. But yeah, more Caruso would would be good, I think. <laughs> More of the goat. I mean, the goat. we know he's efficient and he'll like playing one minute automatically leads to a championship. He's that efficient. <laughs> yeah, hey, no, I, I, he plays Caruso, significant. Caruso is a very smart player. Yeah. He's really good. You want to talk about this LeBron foul and Embiid? Yeah. So you're kind of the, the referee specialist as head of referee at Boston University basketball. Head of here. referee, I wouldn't say I want to go that far. It was just a soup. Supervisor. And you were the supervisor, <laughs> so you were like the head ref. I guess, yeah. So, so what were your thoughts on that? I defer to you. It, looked, it was a dirty play, man. I would have to say. You can't so just put two hands, put two yeah. hands on him. I was yeah. not even going for the ball. Him. Yeah. I'm surprised so he wasn't. The, one was might have been an under, like not under call. What's the right word? But it might not be sportsmanlike. Should have been a two. I would argue it's a two. You think so? 
Yeah, he didn't go oh, for the ball. Okay. Like, it's, what, what, what's the what's the word? Okay. Um, okay. Unnecessary and excessive. You could argue yeah. that was excessive. You could. I think, I think because, like, if you just watch, like, if you just freeze it, it doesn't look like he's pushing that hard. So I guess that's why it wasn't considered excessive, but... That's fair, yeah. Le- number one, LeBron's a big guy. Number two... Embiid was already airborne. Dangerous so what foul. is he supposed to do? Yeah. So I think the flagrant one was at, at least appropriate. I don't know if it would have been a flagrant two, but at least the flag at least the flagrant one, like that was correct. For sure. That's a flagrant. There's no doubt about it. Um Do you think that Embiid was right where he said if that was me following LeBron, I would have been thrown out? Yeah, I agree. Or like I mean, basically saying it was because of LeBron that they didn't throw him out. Yeah, they wouldn't throw LeBron out of the game. They would throw Embiid out of the game. For sure. Yeah. I agree with him. Yeah, so that's probably what happened there. But that was it's very fortunate that B didn't get injured. <laughs> he just yeah. landed right on his back, though. So just a bad that's bruise. Gonna, that's gonna bruise. <laughs> it's I, a would, bad bruise. I wouldn't be surprised if he misses the next two games. That's that shit probably hurts. He's a big guy. Yeah. All that weight falling on his oh. Oh yeah. Um, all right. And I guess the last thing we gotta talk about is clutch time. Ooh, before clutch time, I'm, can I just say I like Tyrese Maxey? Okay. Tyrese Maxey is a good, good player. I like – he needs to play more. I like Tyrese, Tyrese Maxey. Okay. Clutch time. And I didn't uh, I didn't do, like, the full five minutes. I kind of paid attention to the last three minutes because that's really when the Lakers made a run. The Sixers were up 11, 12 points at, the, yeah. at this point. I think Embiid made, the, made an end one reverse layup. Or did Harris? Tough. Yeah. Or, yeah, I think that I think that was the last play, and then the that Lakers went on their last, yep. eleven or twelve run, right? Which impressive finish by Embiid. But yeah, so in this in this three minutes and ten second stretch, the only bucket the Sixers made was the Tobias Harris game winner. Yeah, That's the only they one. stopped. They just made, they basically wanted to throw the game away after that. Well, so here here are my my thoughts on that. So. Um, the, the, I, I feel like a big reason for that is that we talked about how much physicality they allow in the post. Some of this is on the Sixers and Doc Rivers for not calling a play to help get Embiid deep post position. But Anthony Davis was basically shoving his knee into Embiid's ass. He caught, yeah, he, he got him like really out so there. Yeah. Far. But because they yeah. allow more physicality in the post and they would run it to Embiid because he's their shot creator. And while they should run stuff to get him deeper catches, man, they're hitting him hard. Yeah. And so Embiid could only get three mid-range post shots. And I hope that this kind of illuminates. You're going to have to work on that step back because that's the only shot you're going to get in the playoffs. You're not getting anything better than that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think it was good defense by AD considering the rules, right? Agreed, yeah. Um, uh, I think it was a that's that's why um I forget I think it was I forgot who pointed out I think it was Steve Jones Jr. on Twitter, like Doc saw that like three possessions in a row going to Embiid didn't work yeah so they went to Tobias Harris on the mismatch against yeah. uh, Caruso for the win yeah well if you if you think about it with perimeter players what is the most common type of game winner is it a layup or is pull it up. a pull up jumper it's a pull up jumper. To pull up. Not always mid-range, sometimes the three, but 
either one. And so that's probably Embiid's probably going to have to work on that, like a, a face-up, step-back mid-range shot. That's the easiest shot you're going to get in the. You can, you're not going to be able to barrel your way to the bucket in clutch time because they're not going to call a foul on you. I'm sorry. Unless he gets, like, unless he takes lessons from Shaq using his ass to get the back. Well, <laughs> deep, deep low position. Oh, for sure. But they're going to hack him. Yeah. You know? But he can make free throws. Yes. But, they're, but no, that's the point. They're not going to foul. They're not going to call They're not going to call. They're going to call it. And they allow significantly more physicality on him. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, that That's kind of a big reason why. And another reason for the Sixers to get a perimeter creator. Because they're going to get shots like that cleaner than Embiid could. Not through Embiid. Not through necessarily fault of Embiid. Because... I don't think he was fatigued. He didn't look fatigued. And the fact that he, he, did not, he did not. stayed so well with LeBron James on an isolation is kind of evidence of that. He was not gassed. And he was moving, and clearly he was moving well enough that that back bruise or whatever it is wasn't affecting him that much yet. Yeah. The adrenaline was probably taking care of the pain. So it really was him just missing three mid-range shots when he's trying to get better shots. Like he's trying to get post-up shots. But he may just have to settle for mid-range shots because his I don't know if his team's gonna get anything better. Yeah. And on the on the, on the Lakers end, like they were they were like really hunting the three in this last two minutes. Uh but Caruso made some big plays as I mentioned earlier. Yeah. He helped tap he back tap he that uh, that rebound so that they could get the game tying three or what's it game lead? cut it to one I think that one. Cut it to one. They got two offensive rebounds right the, 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 the play yeah. before they got that rebound from Forget who got the rebound, but it, it ended up in Caruso for the game, for the three pointer. Um, yep. yep. Yeah, those were two big plays by Caruso there. Yeah, Caruso had, and I mean, at the start of this three minute run, Caruso hit a driving ah, yeah. layup in transition. So that's kind of what started it. And then he had a good defensive play on Embiid in the post. He hits that three, he held the offensive rebound. So in that span of three minutes, Caruso did. More than anyone else on the Lakers. So plus eleven when he was in that stretch. Yeah, it was insane. So Caruso, like, there's a reason he was on the on the floor in the in the last few minutes. Now, of course, people are, might say, "Oh, well, Harris kept the shot over Caruso. over Caruso," and it's like, "Well, yeah, Caruso's not as good as he is. He can't make up for height. Yeah, he's short." The only the only argument is there that the the late they shouldn't have switched like um. Caruso and LeBron, but I that's NBA like strategy, like yeah. switching in well, the, the end. That's the thing. Like, who had the ball? I can't remember. There was a Harris. They ran a pick and roll specifically because they knew Harris was going to get Caruso switched on him. Yeah, I forget who it was. It was, was it Seth? Is it Ben Simmons or Ben Simmons? One. It might have been Seth. I don't remember exactly, but they specifically ran a pick and roll with Harris as the roll man. Because they knew the Lakers were going to switch it. Yep. And Harris was going to get a 10-foot pull-up. That was the best shot they were going to get over Caruso. And that won the game. Nothing but net. Well, by the way, we did, we did not talk about uh, how good Tobias Harris has been this year. Yeah. I mean, he's basically back to his uh, Clippers numbers, which is what yes. we kind of expected when we were doing the, we're doing, we're doing the preview. And he's shooting 50-40 yeah. 46% from three, like, wow. <laughs> I, don't know if that will, I don't know if that will keep yeah. up, but yeah. Well, 
it really helps that Doc River knows exactly the type of player Tobias Harris is. Yep. Because Harris isn't, he's not a creator. He's a, he's a really elite, I would say elite athletic finisher. Like, he, he plays similarly to Jalen Brown. Mm-hmm. He's going to cut. He's going to get spot-up shots. He's going to drive off the catch. Quick decisions. He has quick decisions. He's going to make a couple of good plays in the pick-and-roll. But his bread and butter is when he can make a quick move off the catch. He can shoot. He has a good enough post-up when he has a mismatch. Yep. That's Tobias Harris. He's not going to create a lot for you. And actually, there was one play where he deed up Anthony Davis. And I was like, wow. <laughs> he think he stifled him for one play. Harris can, yeah. like, was decent on Anthony Davis in the post. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, that's our breakdown of this game. Is there anything else you'd like to, to talk about? Um, I guess I mentioned earlier this could be a potential finals matchup. Uh, what were your thoughts it. on this? Yeah. <laughs> so. You still have the Lakers a favorite, right? Of course, of course. The Sixers. They got to make some adjustments because, yeah, they have the best record in the East. But we have to keep in mind they've had the, the second easiest schedule. Mm-hmm. And their offense when Joel Embiid is not on the floor, is bad. Yeah. It's very bad. So I think that, of course, the Sixers, I, they're a soft contender, I'll say. I will say they're a soft contender because Embiid is having an MVP caliber year. And in the playoffs, Embiid's not going to come off the floor. And with him being in shape, that's a good thing. But when it comes to these close games, and we saw it here, like, People can just beat the crap out of Embiid. Yeah. And his effectiveness is going to be limited. So I feel like they need to make a move for a perimeter guy because the, the unwritten rules of the NBA just cater so much to perimeter guys. Do you not trust? I guess do you don't trust Tobias Harris to be, or Ben Simmons to be that guy? Well, uh, Tobias Harris is great, but he's not, uh, like I said, he's not creator. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm saying, like, if you add a third guy, Let's say, like, you take Ben Simmons out and put Bradley Beal. <laughs> um, Tobias Harris will be totally fine. Like, he fits perfectly. I want Harris to stay on. Yeah. They need an on-ball creator, especially in the clutch, because Harris has to make those quick decisions. He's not going to be the guy who surveys the court in a high pick-and-roll situation. Yeah. That's not his game. Right? So, And Bradley Beal has improved in that. And... Bradley Beal has enough of his cutting and synergy to play off Embiid at first, and then towards the end of the game is where Bradley Beal says, "It's my time." Mm-hmm. That'll be a good. That that'll be an interesting trade, actually. Right, because like if yeah. you have a a one-two punch like that, and Embiid gets his early touches, the defense is going to adjust. Like, shit, we really got to cover this guy. So all the defensive resources go towards stopping Embiid, and then in the fourth quarter. When the defense is really paying attention to Embiid, Beal is like, "All right, it's my turn. Mm-hmm. You really want to? You want to send two guys there? Great, <laughs> I got you." This is kind of why I wanted Harden on the Sixers. I think, B, yeah, he would, that would I'll, make sense. I'll be very happy with Beal too. So, in that set, in that case, um, do you still have them? I guess behind the Nets I as do. a finals contender. I do. But there's a they have a are solid they second, cast. or I would or say so. second. 
So they're not they're not they're not a soft contender then because if they're if there's a second if if you if you think they're the second most likely team to make the finals. I guess that's true. It's just they need to make improvements on their offense. It's not good enough to be a good to beat the Lakers in the seven game series. Yeah. Do you think the Bucs... So you have them over the Bucks or yeah, the Bucks, the Celtics? I softly have them over the Bucks, and the Celtics just need to get better. At this point in time, I will say it's the Nets, then the Sixers, like a smidge over the Bucks. Yeah, it's pretty close between those two teams. But I don't. I but here's the thing. At this point, I don't know if the Sixers could beat the Bucks. I really don't. Have they played? They haven't played each other yet, right? We'll uh, okay. circle that game in the, in the yeah, calendar. Circle that game. Because <laughs> here's the thing. Low key about the Bucks, they've made a couple of subtle adjustments, and I think they're a better team this year, and not just because of Drew mm-hmm. Holiday. I did not like what they saw earlier against the Pelicans, so you have to watch oh, yeah. more Bucks games. You gotta but, watch more Bucks games. But yeah, yeah, so that's Philly is a soft contender. I'll still say that because I, if they get to the finals, I don't truly believe they they are capable of challenging the Lakers. The Lakers, and if you think about it, the Lakers kind of pulled their punches on defense. If you think yeah. that the only thing they have in their pocket is to send a double team to Embiid, you're wrong. No, and they could they, like Davis still isn't playing up to standards, so there's still Davis uh, isn't playing up to standards, and there's no way that's all the Lakers have to pull out on Embiid. Yeah, no way. Yeah, we've seen what they've done against other other decent post players. There's no doubt in my mind that the Lakers have something else up their sleeve that they don't want to show because they think that they could see the Sixers in the final. Yep, agree with that. And that was this week's edition of the Got Next podcast. You heard about our surprises of the NBA season so far. What are some of yours? Are the Jazz a legit team? Can Lonzo turn it around? We made our all-star selections as well this uh, so far. Um, who do you think we snubbed? Should Zach Levine make an all-star team? Should Ben Simmons? Nope. <laughs> Unless he starts playing better. There's still a chance for him to turn it around. Yes, uh, there definitely is. Not to mention, like, he is still putting up stats. But anyway. And finally, do you think the Sixers are legitimate championship contenders? Do you think the Sixers should go after Bradley Beal? Yes. Bradley Beal will solve their problems. <laughs> yeah. They helped them tremendously. So let us know your thoughts. Who's got next?